BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Lauren Johnson. She is a performance, mental performance coach. She's out of Folsom, California, and um, she just recently started her own business. So she is kind of, she's in our target market in terms of entrepreneurs starting businesses, but that's not why we're having her on. We're having her on because she's going to be talking to us about the importance of having a strong mental disposition. Um, She worked for a while with the New York Yankees and has recently ventured out on her own, as I said. But before we bring her on, Corey and I are going to talk a little bit about the similarities between pro athletes and entrepreneurs. So how am I like Tom Brady? Um, Winning? (laughs) Yes. You both have two syllables in your last name. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Just throw, You can't throw me on the uh, spot like that. Um, yeah, you're both winners and wear a lot of rings. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. All right. Now, anyway, um, it's a, a interesting connection to make between the, the attributes between a successful uh, sports player and athlete in general, um, and a small business owner or business owner in general. Um, cause I think that there's like the, there outside of the obvious ones, like hard work, dedication and all of that. There's also, I mean, for a, a big part of it is just like genetics. Like not everybody, no matter how hard you work, can you be Tom Brady? You can, you can be good, but you're never going to be a six time Super Bowl champ or however many he's seven. won seven. Um, I hate that. I know that. Yeah. I, I was only thinking about the Patriots. I forgot about Tampa already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the so I think that I mean part of it is just it's it's a part of you. Like that's a big part of being a really good athlete is that you are you're physically designed to be an athlete and like a business owner, you are mentally prepared in some way, shape, or form more so than the average person on the street. Yeah, and I also think. You know, being a small business owner or an entrepreneur, that kind of runs in families, right? You're probably more likely to, and I don't have the statistics on this, so I'm just making stuff up, but you're probably far more likely to become an entrepreneur or own your own business if you come from a family where they, you know, had, with your parents had their own business or something. I mean, that's a, that's a great point because you think about the, the Mannings, for example, like, you know, didn't his grandfather also? Yeah. Play? Yeah. So like, them. it's just like a sports family. And yeah, poor and Archie. What a, no, it's not Archie's Archie. the dad. Archie's the dad. What's the son. That's the one son. That's not, he's funny though. He's funny as hell. Yeah, the, not uh Peyton or Eli. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the, yeah, that's, that's a great point because if you're brought up that way and, and I guess that's more of a nurture versus nature thing. Like you just, you're brought up to, with a certain work ethic, with a certain mindset, with a certain drive that other people might not have. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. that, not to say that you can't be born with it. Not to say that you can't develop it outside of a an entrepreneur family. But that's that's a you know I, I think a good 
comparison there. Yeah, and I also, I, I think what, you know, um, is important both, um, or comes into play for both entrepreneurs and for professional athletes is that, you know, it's really easy to be, to get into a slump, to be really hard on yourself. And how do you get yourself out of it? How do you spin out of that when it happens is, you know, something that where you, you need to have that resiliency and that mental toughness. And, you know, when I, I first met Lauren in Montana at, at Tony Watley's 365 driven event. And, you know, the thing that she said that stuck out the most to me was, you know, negative self-talk isn't the problem believing it is and that is so true right where you can just get yourself in such a slump and you kind of can talk yourself out of anything and i i think that can't there's nothing that could be more true than that for a professional athlete right where you you know you've been up to bat and you know four times and you've struck out all four times and you know now all of a sudden you're you're going up to bat again and you're like oh god i'm gonna strike out again right you just kind of talk yourself into what's gonna happen before it even happens yeah, one of my favorite um, movies when it comes to, like, one of my favorite sports movies is Tin Cup with uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. And he gets the case of the shanks, and he's trying to do everything that he can possibly do to get himself out of that slump. And I feel like business is the same way. You know, sales are down or whatever it is. Like, things aren't going your way, and you just start grasping at every straw you possibly can. Mm-hmm. To, you commission know. breath. You get a little commission breath where you're just, like, dying for the sale and... Yeah, no, I it, it absolutely happens. And I think it happens too when you start get overconfident and you start winning a little bit and you get a little bit cocky and you forget to do the preparation or the consistency. So it, it there's a lot of similarities between entrepreneurs and professional athletes. Sure. And when it comes basically to, we're professional athletes, Corey. I don't know about that. But <laughs> but the you know, the whole thing, like as much as I, I hate the Patriots, but they did a really good job of building a strong team. They built it around a, you know, the, the central person on their team being Brady. Belichick did a good job of that. They cheated a little bit. Hey. Um, hey, you know, all of those little, I mean, just a little bit, just to get that little bit just of an edge. An, just enough to, um, to, to win another trophy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you like when you want to keep winning, you're going to look at every possible avenue and some of them might not be legitimate, moral, legal, whatever. Um, and you have to make that trade off of whether or not you want to sell a little bit of yourself to make some money. So I don't know. Interesting. Interesting for sure. All right. Well, I am looking forward to having this conversation with Lauren and seeing what she has to say about being mentally tough. All right. Let's talk with her after the break. Hey, everyone. If you're like most entrepreneurs out there, time is not something you ever seem to have enough of. We get it. There are a million things that need your attention, both in business and in your personal life. That's why we created Time Bomb. This is a self-paced course designed to help you determine what your time is worth and where you should be spending those precious hours every day. Right now, we have an option to buy the bundle, which also includes products designed to help you become more efficient with your time. It's a $70 deal you're getting for only an additional $30. Head on over to sbpace.com to learn more. Time Bomb. Take control of your calendar. Gain control of your life. All right, and welcome back to the show. Welcome, Lauren. Hello. I'm so excited for this conversation. This is going to be awesome. Yep, we're excited to have you, for sure. Yeah, we really are. We just had a very good sort of pre-conversation and uh we're excited to see where this one goes yeah so we were talking about the similarities between entrepreneurs and athletes and i was curious as to what is uh so we all 
can guess the obvious ones like uh, work ethic and and uh, all of that type, de- you know, determination, that type of stuff. Um, what's the weirdest or like the the like a weird quirk that most entrepreneurs and athletes share? They don't feel sorry for themselves. Interesting. They don't allow themselves to sit in a victim mentality. It doesn't mean we don't have moments of it. Maybe when we get bad news, when we get rejected, when things don't go our way, but they don't allow themselves to sit there for too long because they know that they've got work to do. And so instead of sitting in their feelings and focusing on how they feel, they focus on the actions they're going to take next. And so I would say that's one of the biggest ones that stand out to me that's maybe not as, I don't know, common is just that both sports athletes and entrepreneurs, they simply don't feel bad for themselves. Yeah, that's a, I like that. And it makes sense once you said it, because the, when you try something and you fail, you're not going to sit there and stew in your you know, depression or whatever. You're like, all right, well, get up, try it again, try something different, you know, attack it at a different angle. So, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. What, um, so you're, you're now, you have launched your own business or you're doing per, um, performance, mental performance coaching, correct? Correct. Yeah. So what are, um, some, um, common problems or, um, areas where people come to you where they want to improve? Like when people are coming to Lauren Johnson for help, what are they most often looking for help in? Man, every individual is different, but there is one thing that I think is quite common, no matter the domain, no matter the background, no matter the individual, but it's developing a relationship with fear, developing a relationship with the uncomfortable, with uncertainty. You know, I... I, uh, I had one athlete uh, come to me and he's saying how he knows he shouldn't feel this way, you know, before a really big game. And uh, I asked him, I said, why? Like, why do you think you shouldn't feel that way? He goes, well, I, you know, fear is a bad thing. Like, you know, you don't want to experience it. And I, and I, I hate that way of thinking. And I know that sometimes, you know, I shoot, I remember thinking that when I was younger, like pain, pain is bad. Therefore fear is pain. Therefore fear is bad. And so, uh, you know, we can easily associate fear with being a negative or as being a bad thing. And while it's certainly not comfortable and while some fear can really, you know, suck to have to face, to deal with, um, you know, to look in the mirror at fear is a very normal part of life because life wasn't meant to be comfortable all of the time. You know, if life was always comfortable, then it would always, it would just life that's comfortable is like a life where. We've, ex- we've already explored the map. We know exactly which turns to make, which streets to avoid. We know, you know the ins and outs of that map. But the cool part about the unknown is the exploration. And when we explore and we go down new paths, new roads, we make new right or left turns, we learn new pathways we learn new options, new opportunities. And so 
when I look at fear, when I look at discomfort, when I look at um, distraction or procrastination, all of these different things, inconsistency, failure, I look at each one of these. And while in general, most people don't necessarily want to invite them into their lives, the, what we should be doing is develop a relationship with them because they're not going anywhere, <laughs> especially if you want to live a life of purpose and meaning. Their fear is not going anywhere. Uh, you know, mistakes aren't going anywhere. Failure isn't going anywhere. Obstacles aren't going anywhere. Adversity isn't going anywhere. And even if you do your best to avoid it, trust me, life will find a way to bring it into, your, into yours. And so what's better than resisting is to learn how to develop a relationship and learn how to dance with it. And so that's one of the things I think people come to me for and one of the things that I help them do. Uh, my brain is going in a million different directions. And the biggest thing that I keep thinking about is how entrepreneurs, it seems, um, especially newer entrepreneurs, have such a struggle with admitting things that they don't know how to do, right? There's sort of this misconception that if you're an entrepreneur, if you've started a business, that you should know how to do everything, right? And that's just not possible. But so many people that we talk to have this fear of admitting what they don't know, this fear. And so they would rather hide it and sort of kind of fake their way through it than actually come to grips with admitting they don't know it and then finding a solution for it, right? It's just this really frequent um, conversation that we've had so many times over the past, you know, 12 to 15 months of a perfect example is finances. Like a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs are not great with managing finances, but they don't want to talk about it because one, there's this shame and embarrassment that goes with it. And there's this almost like this, you know, you think when you're in college, right. And you go to the ATM and you grab money out and you crinkle up the receipt before you can look to see how much money's in there because you're like, I don't even, but not knowing is better. Right. But facing that fear as an entrepreneur and understanding how to, how to, that not everybody knows how to do everything related to the business and seeking help is such a big part of that early entrepreneurial journey. And the earlier you get that over with and can acknowledge like, I don't know how to do this, the better off your business is going to be. Oh, that's such a good point. And let me tell you, that's precisely why I hired a bookkeeper because I'm not exactly like <laughs> fluent in finance, if you know what I mean. But with what you're talking about, I think is such an important thing is because we're at the core of what you're talking about is avoidance. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, I'm, of course, it just left my mind, but there is a famous psychologist that said this, the things that you resist persist. So really what that is, is that avoidance is a temporary relief from stress. The stress of what somebody may like a stress of not knowing the stress of looking stupid, the stress of feeling embarrassed, the stress of somebody else thinking you're less than the stress of somebody else's opinion. And so when we avoid, it's typically a temporary relief from stress, but all that is really, it's like, let's look at it in this example. It's like going to, it's like wanting to focus on your health, but oh my gosh, you're so hungry. And so you go to McDonald's and you get chicken nuggets. Okay. You go to McDonald's. It tastes good. It relieves the hunger, 
but it's not good for us in the long run. And so the avoidance that you're talking about, sure, it may go down easy. It may taste good. It may be a quick fix, but it's not going to be beneficial in the long run because the core of the issue is not being solved. And going back to the whole fear thing and avoiding and all of your problems and all that, I mean, if you just go back in history, like the, the people who, uh, the explorers and all of that, they had a healthy relationship with fear, but they, and danger in general. And it's just that risk and knowing, and I feel like that persists to this day, but you know, there's no more mountains to discover or lions to tame, so to speak. But for those of us who still have that in us, it, it, it kind of manifests itself in, in being an entrepreneur or, or just going out and doing your own thing. You know, because I mean, back in the day, there were plenty of people who would sit around, you know, they're just like, I'm going to work the field, sun up to sunrise. And the people are like, I want to go see what's on the other side of that mountain. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things I think some people get wrong is they're like, okay, well, I have a pretty good relationship with fear, but it doesn't always work. I could, I'm not always successful in it. And the thing I want people to understand, which some people uh, that I've worked with, especially um, some in some of my earlier days, is I would have people come up to me and be like, well, that didn't work. And my question was like, what's the definition of working? And they would say, oh, well, I didn't win. I wasn't successful. Like I didn't get the outcome I wanted. And it's really important to know that mental, mental toughness, mental skills, mental performance, when we build these things, when we build the skill of mental performance, it doesn't make you invincible. It makes you adaptable. <laughs> and so just because we build a relationship with fear, just because we build, you know, good habits, good routines, it doesn't mean that every single time we're going to get the perfect outcome. What it allows us to do is it frees us up to be more adaptable in the moment. And we know that adaptability, there is a huge price tag on adaptability because the one thing we know about this world is it's constantly changing and it's our decision on if we continue, if we want and if we continue to evolve with those changes. I just had this fleeting thought of um, the number of people that that exist in this world who are just having basically a Groundhog Day, repeating the same thing over and over again because they're so afraid of what they don't know or because they don't, they don't want to experience failure, right? Like you're not, it's so easy to not try something because you don't want to fail at it or you don't want to look, look dumb. And I can't, you know, I, I always think about this story, which makes me laugh so hard to myself right now is when I first wanted to join Orange Theory Fitness, right? I, it took me 18 months to book that first appointment, 18 months. And because I was so afraid of what, like, what was I going to suck at it? Were people going to laugh at me? Like, how, would I die in the middle of it? I didn't know what to expect, <laughs> right? And then finally one day when I was out in, I was traveling to um, Santa Cruz, California, and they have, have an orange theory there. I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to book the appointment. I'm going to go. And I went and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just wasted 18 months waiting to do this because it's amazing. And now I don't, I'm not a member of Orange Theory anymore, but there is a, a boxing place close to my house and I discovered it like three weeks ago and I was like you do not get to spend 18 months deciding on this one you got to go and so finally one Saturday afternoon I really wanted to go on a trail run and I'm like you can't go on the trail run until you stop at the boxing place and at least check it out and then I mean I joined the next day I was like okay so I'm like at least I'm shortening the curve of it but 
it's, you know, it presents itself everywhere in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're like, how many things do you hold yourself back from doing because you're afraid of the outcome or how, what other people are going to think of the outcome, which is far worse, right? Because God, we just shouldn't care, but we do. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I can totally, I can totally, um, you know, feel you on that because I mean, I could sit here and give you a million reasons or ways that that's shown up, you know, for me. And, you know, I think one of the ways that we can really help in the, in that fear area, I mean, some of it is taking the leap, right? Is it's going in, it's taking the leap, but there's another way uh, that we can, you know, work through this. And, um, Julie, you've heard me say this before, but there's a couple ways we can work through this, whether it's, you know, trying to build up the confidence or work through a potential future fear, or maybe a fear you've experienced before. Or maybe it's a business decision. You know, it can come in all different kinds of forms. Um, and the first one is to go through this idea of mental contrasting. And so there's this really great book, um, An Astronaut's Guide to Earth, uh, or Guide to Life on Earth, and uh, by Chris Hadfield. And he gives this example of training in space. And he said, you know, obviously, or training for space, I should say. He said, you can't, you know, train in space. You don't go up there just to train. It's like costs too much. It's just not feasible. And so you have to train, you know, on land. And while we have simulations and all of that, he goes, really, there's nothing that is, you know, comes close to actually being in space. And so he said, one of the things we had to prepare for is if there was a fire on board. So at first we're, we go through con like thinking through what could go right on board. He goes, I start by visualizing all the things that could go right. And then we need to start visualizing all the things that can go wrong. And this is what we call mental contrasting in psychology. So it's contrasting all that you want to have happen. So maybe it's your goal. Maybe it's something you want to work towards. Maybe it's going to the boxing gym. What could go right? And thinking through that and then imagining what could go wrong. And he said, the worst thing that can happen is a fire breaks out like on your space station. And he goes, and you can't put it out. Why? Because there's nowhere to go. So he said they had to think through every potential scenario if there was a, a fire to break out on board. And so the second thing that you can do is once you've decided what's the worst thing that could happen or what are some bad things that could happen, maybe probable and maybe not as likely, but thinking through all of them, then you take that and you go, okay, if this happens, if a fire breaks out on board, then this is what I'm going to do about it. And what we start to do is we create what we call contingency plans. And it's facing the fear of the ifs, the, the what's, all of those things, of the biggest fears, of the worst things that could happen in our situation. And then thinking through how, what we would do if we faced it. Now, what this does is this increases our competence, our ability to respond when something bad happens. And when our competence increases, so does our confidence. And as our confidence increases, the likelihood of us taking action does as well. And so if you're feeling fear, because maybe you're worried about an outcome, maybe you're worried about what could happen, I highly recommend number one, start with mental contrasting. Go through what could go right, all the things, if, you, if it went perfectly, what would that look like? And then what could go wrong? And then start developing contingency plans. And what you're doing is you're also creating a link in your brain between what could happen in the behavior that you'd like to follow. And so now your brain's only job, if that happens, 
is to execute that plan. And our brain loves this. So that's just one way that we can kind of work through some of those fears um, that maybe that just the thought of that fear is holding us back from taking action. I feel like it would have been very helpful when we were writing our book if we knew Lauren at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that, that's kind of a much better said version of our entire book, basically. But uh, <laughs> the, the, the idea that you want to be as prepared as possible, but you can't prepare for anything. But the right. fact of trying to be prepared allows you to be prepared for the unknown. That's right. Yeah. Our book would have been a lot shorter. Yes. <laughs> would, it would have been about 17 minutes <laughs> at this rate. <laughs> Which oh would have been God. great. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something you said, though, um, at the beginning of this, um, of, of this be the beginning of the last um, statements that you made when you were talking about being able to make leaps, right? And that, um, you, you know, being adaptable and um, making being okay making changes but that you have to be ready to take leaps and you had to take a very big leap um when you had finished school and before you started your career right would you yes, i did would would you mind sharing that story with our listeners i would love to um man it, it really all started my third game into my senior year of college and i played soccer um, at co in college and I received my fifth concussion and I was told by my neurologist that Lauren if you want to remember your name at 40 you probably should stop playing and that's a hard reality for anyone who kind of identifies with you know being something whether it's a soccer player whether it's an entrepreneur whatever that may be and then suddenly somebody telling you you can't do that. And so for me, it was, uh, man, it was a hard transition to make, but uh, I was lucky enough to be a part of a team that still allowed me to be a part of the team. I just had a different role. And I ended up, you know, I ended, I was on the sidelines every game. And, and uh, again, my, my role really shifted, but it shifted a ton when I ended up taking a course in sports psychology. And I was the only one to sign up for the class. And I was I was reading these books and doing these assignments. And I just kept thinking like, you were looking in the mirror. <laughs> Everything I was reading and listening to and, and learning about, I was like, oh my gosh, this relates to me so much. I could see myself in every story and every principle and all these areas. And I thought to myself, what kind of person or player would I have been if I knew these things? And then I thought, how many people can I help now that I do? And, you know, I, I love this stuff because not because I don't, I'm perfect and I don't experience the same struggles. I actually am passionate about this because I was the person that needed it the most. I was the person that got in the way of myself. I was the person who limited my beliefs. I was the person who constantly beat myself up if I wasn't perfect. I was the one who attached my worthiness to my outcomes. And so it totally, like I dove into this material and just fell completely in love with it. And it was my senior year um, banquet, actually. And they asked all the seniors to come up. And it's not like you prepare anything, but they asked, you know, each senior to say a few words. And this wasn't planning on saying this. It just came from the heart. And I said, 
this was the best year of soccer and I didn't step one foot on the field. This was the best year of soccer and I didn't score one goal. It was because I poured into others and I received so much more than pouring into myself. And so it was truly a gift that at the time when it happened, I was, it was hard to see. And it led me down this path of what I currently do now. And so I go on to get my master's degree and um, I, I, I graduate just, I'm on cloud nine. I have two job offers on the table. And I chose, you know, to, to say no to one and, uh, and choose another one. The only thing is the one that I chose, it had like one stipulation. It was going to take six months to be placed in the position. And so I thought to myself, no problem. Um, it was very normal for that role. So six months goes by, I don't hear anything. So I finally reach out and sent them an email and said, Hey, just checking in to see when I should be expecting my placement. And that's when I got an email back telling me, um, we're sorry, the job is no longer available. So now, much like being told I couldn't play soccer, I had this big letdown and I felt lost because, man, here you come out of, out of grad school. I'm on cloud mine. Six, six months ago, I got to choose my job. And six months later, I have none. And so I reach out to all these people that I knew, tried to be resourceful, like, hey, do you have, are there opportunities? And, you know, you can't go on like indeed.com and type in sports psychology jobs. It's really just not a thing. Um, and especially right now. Uh, so I, I typed it in and I just, you know, nothing was coming up. And I kept hearing the same thing. Lauren, you need experience. Lauren, you need experience. You just need experience. And I'm like, I'm trying and nobody will give me the chance to get some. So I decided, you know what, I need to make some money right now. So I decided to get a job at Starbucks. And one day at Starbucks completely changed my life. I'm working the drive-thru. And when you're working the drive-thru, it's your job to entertain the customer as their drink is being made. And so I'm chatting it up with this guy and he asked me, he said, Lauren, are you in school? And I said, no, actually I just graduated. And he's like, great. What did you get your degree in? And I proudly told him, oh, I got my master's in performance psychology. And he just starts laughing. Like full on belly laughing to the point where I have to wait till he catches his breath to finally ask him. I'm sorry, but what's so funny? And he looks at me and he goes, <laughs> oh, you got one of those degrees you'll never use. And my mouth just dropped open. I couldn't believe this guy just said this to my face. And I was immediately filled with anger, disgust. I was embarrassed, but at the same time, I was so offended and mad. I just had to walk away. And someone else had to hand him his drink. And it got worse. Like throughout the day, it just kept circulating in my head. Like I kept like ruminating on this thought, like you're not, you know, you're getting, you got a degree you'll never use. And it kept making me more and more mad. And then I was mad because I was mad because I'm like, Lauren, this guy doesn't matter. Like, why do you care so much about what he thought or what he had to say? 
And that's when I realized I wasn't mad because he was rude, even though he was. I was mad because he was right. Here I was six months out of grad school. And because things didn't work out the way I wanted them to, here I was comfortable, settling in a job that I know I didn't want. I knew I wasn't passionate about. And so if, if you turn around at your first sign of adversity, you're not going to get very far. And the whole reason why I got into this field is to help people to overcome those obstacles, to find another way. And how the hell was I going to be a good mental coach if I couldn't even take my own advice? And so that was the day that I Googled how to start your own consulting company. And I started my own consulting company for the sole purpose of getting that experience everyone else told me I needed. Someone wasn't going to give it to me. I was going to go out and get it. And so I spent a year of grinding, cold calling, sending emails. And I ended up getting a, a nice little, some traction and some really great clients, even after so many no's. And after a year's time of doing that, I got an opportunity to interview with the Yankees and I got the job. I love that story. And I, it was one of the biggest notes that I took and was highlighted and starred when, when I um, listened to you speak in Montana, where you talked about how can I, I think how you said it that weekend was, how can I help people solve hard problems if I can't solve my own, right? And I wrote that down and I can remember I said it to Corey, like, we've got to get really good at like mastering our own issues inside of SB Pace. Otherwise, how are we ever going to do it for other people? So every time something hard or adverse comes our way, like we really need to embrace it and just be like, dig into it. And how do we get better at this? Because that that's only going to enable us to serve our clients even better. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And facing that stuff head on, which is, man, not easy. I, I certainly can speak to that. No, it's not. I got, I got, I got a little teared up listening to that story, and that's not even the first time I heard it. So I was like, "Gosh, don't, don't cry, Julie. Don't cry. Don't cry in your own. Don't cry in your own podcast." I was just, I was just thinking about how adult of it, of it, of it was. Whatever. How adult you were when, when your doctor said you should stop playing soccer? Because I know, like, the twenty-one-year-old me would be like, "What do you know, doctor?" And just run right back out on the field. Well, get, a, get another concussion. Well, they did make me like. They did make me sign this thing that said like, hey, if you die, we're not liable. And I was like, that's like pretty intense, man. So uh, yeah, I decided to take his advice. But let me tell you, I fought it every concussion prior to that. So I can I can understand that there was a lot of rebellion going on. But man, when he told me some of those hard facts, I was like, oof, wait a second. That, that became real. Yeah, yeah, I bet. And you know, thank Thank goodness that um, it did become real because the gifts that you're able to give to other people now so much outweigh what you were getting off of that field, right? So, you know, I'm glad you got five concussions, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm very happy with where I am now. But at the time, I wouldn't have said that, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we need to start wrapping up and um, tell our listeners how they can find you. So best way to find me is actually at my website, which is laurenjohnsonandco.com. And you can find all my social handles there. Um, there you can also sign up for my newsletter. So please go there and, and connect with me on social and 
uh, if you respond to my newsletter, I respond to every single person that, uh, that writes me back. So let's definitely connect. Oh, absolutely. Now I, am like, I can't believe I'm not subscribed to your newsletter and I'm telling you guys follow her on Instagram because her posts on Instagram are so inspirational and thought provoking. Like every time I see him, I just love him. And she does a, every Wednesday you do a midweek, um, midweek mindset. Yeah, midweek mindset, which is really enjoyable and great. So, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. We were so honored to have you on our show. Um, we hope you enjoyed being here as much as we enjoyed having you. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And everything, again, you'll find everything in the show notes. And if you're interested in working with us, you can connect with us on our website. And don't forget to connect with us on social media. We've got our LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels out there. And you can reach out to us on sbpace.com if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, and all of our information is on that website. Yes. And subscribe to our podcast. Like us and give us a review. That's how we get better and how we get rated. And the more we get rated, the better guests we can get on our show. So you benefit by doing that one small favor for us. And you can reach out to us about any topics you're interested in hearing about. Don't forget to purchase our book, Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon. We have a digital workbook download available on our website. And if you've already purchased it, remember to rate it and review it. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.